Hello, mainstreamers and cinephiles and everybody in between. I'm Bryant. And I'm Caitlin. And Operation Silver Screen is a go. Welcome, everyone, to another weekly debrief. Each week, Bryant and I take on a case from our backlog of must-see films that either one of us or both of us have yet to see. In our debrief, we'll provide not only our opinion of the film, but we'll also discuss its significance and influence in both the film industry and society as a whole. Along the way, we'll also provide other fun trivia and insights on the film. So, Bryant, what was our mission this week? Our mission this week, another one in theme with current movies. There's so many movies coming out. You know, we did one for Oppenheimer. We did one for Barbie. And now we're doing one for TMNT Mutant Mayhem. Now, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ninjas, Martial Arts. And also in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you have Splinter voiced by Jackie Chan. And you have Jackie Chan in this movie as well. And kind of one of his first roles or kind of significant role, which we'll talk about. And I'm not making any of this up. And we definitely did not just choose this movie. And all of this happens to be a coincidence. Not saying that at all. (laughs) The movie I'm talking about is Enter the Dragon. Now, this is a movie that both of us have not seen, but we were both, it seemed like we were enthusiastic about choosing this as the next movie we were going to do, correct? Yeah, this is one that I suggested just because we were doing a lot of 80s, 90s films. And I was like, well, let's go back a little bit. Let's do something from the 70s. Something a little bit different than what we've done before. And something that kind of inspired the 80s as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, I haven't seen too many martial arts films or at least the the older ones i've seen more of the modern ones uh such as yeah. raid the roundup which you still need to watch I've seen a lot of those but you know kind of before again before the modern era movies i guess i uh, haven't seen too many just like westerns yeah it's weird that you mentioned jackie chan a lot when you're describing this movie when it's starring bruce lee hey but bruce lee is not voicing a giant rat taking care of four turtles, all right? I put on a double coincidence. Yeah, but you put Jackie Chan in your intro, but not mention Bruce Lee at all. Because I had to connect it. <laughs> Jackie Chan didn't even have a listed role in this film. <laughs> he was in this film, though, all right? I'm just trying to connect it to make it seem like we actually know what we're doing around here. And do know that this first portion is going to be spoiler-free. And when we enter that spoiler portion, I'll make sure to go ahead and give you guys a heads up. So no worries at all if you have not seen the film. <laughs> but yeah so this is my first bruce lee film that i've watched and my only like real experience kind of somewhat was like the it man film film series it man is like a fictionalized story of the teacher who trained bruce lee so that's about the extent of, of my experience with that that's another reason why i wanted to watch this movie was because i haven't seen a bruce lee film before but of course i know about bruce lee i didn't know it man was based fictionally based on the teacher of Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. Really, sadly, my only uh, my only exposure to Bruce Lee was the fictional one in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That I have not seen. Yeah, I don't recommend it. I don't see you liking that film. Again, <laughs> there's like some really good parts because Quentin Tarantino is a great writer and he is a good director. But, I don't know, that movie is too long. There's too much in between those great moments and... That issue that you have, and I, I have a bit too, not as strongly, the mm-hmm. violence on women. I'm like, man, you just got criticized about this in the last movie, and I felt like he doubled down this time around. Yeah. And this is an acclaimed film. Uh, this has a 7.6 on IMDb and an 88% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes with a 91% on 
rating for audience. Now, yeah, I just said this film is acclaimed. I guess not really so much in accolades, though it does have one big one that I'm sure you're about to bring up, Caitlin. You usually talk about that one. But yeah, I feel like this kind of went unnoticed, and I think I know why. But what did you find in your research? Actually, maybe I don't have what you're alluding to, um, <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> so, Ender Dragon was estimated to have grossed over $90 million worldwide, which when you adjust that for inflation, uh, it's about $500 million today, give or take. Um, and it only had a budget of 8500000 so that's a big, big difference there. Wait, how much? Eight hundred fifty thousand. I said eighty five hundred thousand. Yeah, like, eight hundred fifty thousand <laughs> numbers. Sometimes I look at these numbers and I'm like, I I, I shouldn't be doing the numbers for this. <laughs> What's that like? I feel like I have that like number dyslexia thing. I don't actually, but like I feel like my mind does not register <laughs> numbers like that. <laughs> But this was released in Hong Kong at first, where it did really well, um, though not as well as Breesley's previous films that he did there, which were Fist of Fury and Way of the Dragon. But it was largely successful in the U.S., and it remained in the top 10 of the box office four weeks after its wide release. And then again, in its eighth week, it went back to, to number one at the top. It also was re-released a couple other times in the 70s, and it entered the top five in the box office each time, and it had multiple re-releases worldwide. Uh, critically, it was well-received, and it was often regarded as one of the greatest martial arts films of all time through its various publications, including The Guardian, The Observer, Empire. Uh, they have all listed this film in several lists and polls as being at the top as far as martial arts movies and just great movies in general. In 2004, it was selected for preservation in the U.S. Natural Film Registry by the Longry of Congress. We talk about this a lot for films. I think like we've had a pretty good streak of films that have been selected for this. Yes, quite a bit. And that's the one that I knew you were going to bring up. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, this is also in the 1001 movies to watch before you die. I, I wondered if it was. I figured it would be one that was. Yeah, most definitely. Hands down on that one. Like if they were if they were lacking on martial arts movie, then they're like, dang, we gotta get one in here. They put an Enter the Dragon. Yeah, definitely. What is this movie about? Well, this movie is about Bruce Lee, who plays a he's a martial arts expert, and he is sent by a secret organization. I don't think they ever say who they work for, but they kind of just they work for special governments. You know, they're not really owned by anybody. They're super secret. That's how secret they are. It's not because the writers couldn't decide on anything. So he hires Lee to go to this martial arts tournament at this island disguised as just one of the contestants. But really in the underbelly of this island, they are cooking up heroin. They are getting people overdosed and they're doing human trafficking. And that's what Lee is there to expose uh, to the world or at least to this organization. And also there is a personal vendetta. I won't go ahead and spoil the what? Because I didn't know anything about it, and I was like, "Oh crap!" And now we got this on top of everything. You know, it gives Lee some extra motivation, some extra extra reason to put more force behind his kicks. Caitlin, want to go ahead and start us off with your opinion? Yeah, I think for its time, this was a good action movie. There were scenes that I really did enjoy more than others. Um, I definitely think I I still lean more towards modern action films. We kind of had that discussion before. 
But I liked the plot here. I liked kind of the spy elements. It's something that I wasn't expecting for this to be a spy movie. Um, also, it is... It's a, it's a pretty diverse film, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. And that was interesting. And in general, I, I liked the whole tournament aspect as well. It's something that I think I've seen in a lot of media after this, but I'm sure has been influenced by this i've also seen a lot in like a lot of ya books and some other not so great <laughs> pieces but i do in general like the idea of the tournament i wish that it had focused on it a little bit more though and a lot of things in this film i feel like could have used a little bit more development or time um but as an action movie i think it's like i said there's some parts that are better than others but i appreciate the choreography overall the choreography was done by bruce lee himself yeah, I think the thing we could have done was more, I don't know, there was a lot of fighting in this, but not a lot of tournament in this. Yeah. Kind of like the recent, one of the, well, I can't really say it's the same criticism as Mortal Kombat, the last one to come out, I think 2019, or a little bit later than that, because that movie just didn't have a tournament at all. No. <laughs> they were getting prepped for the tournament. And I think sometimes, you know, I think there is a balance to strike. And I did appreciate that this one had more story in it because I was actually invested in some of the characters. I think some got a little, uh, probably too much time, but I think it was a good balance overall. I did like the the fighting in this. Uh, I really did enjoy it. I enjoyed this whole movie, actually. I was surprised uh, how much how much more there was to this movie than just him going to and island and fighting a bunch of people again you have this story you have this personal vendetta there's kind of these layers on top of it unfortunately yeah i would have liked to i don't even understand how the tournament worked out it was just like no because it seemed like there was just one fight a day but and also there were only like five contestants or something but also martial arts and and this being 1973 i thought this was great for an action film yeah, could it have been touched up a bit, especially during modern times? Most definitely. Uh, even when the sound effects, you just say most definitely the sound effects, but no, the sound effects in this were were good. They, they, they were good for their time, especially for 1973, uh. <laughs> coming from the 60s. There were some bad ones in there. Don't get me wrong. But again, for its time, it's something that usually stands out to me. It's something that kind of cringe every time I'm watching an older film. But there were some better ones here. There were also some... Better choreography, though, you can actually see that some hits landed uh, between some of the between some of the actors because there are people in this film that have black belts that are trained in martial arts. So I think when they were fighting, like they were like, "Yeah, go ahead and and hit me. I don't care. I've been hit before, you know. And if I get a bruise on my face, we'll just we'll work it into the story." And yeah, the yeah, I had in my notes the sound effects are ridiculous. <laughs> They are, but... It, I think you're a little bit more forgiving than I was. Yeah, I, I am more forgiving. You're kind of like... I feel like you're kind of like me when I thought... What was that movie that I was thinking was in the eight, in the 90s and it turned out to be the 80s? I was like, okay, never mind. I'll forgive some of this. Uh, We do so many films. It was... I, it was recent, too. And yeah. it was like a series, right? A series? Was it The Last Crusade? Yeah, it was Last Crusade. Yes. Yep, it was Last Crusade. I was like, okay, I can forgive. I have a filter, you know, going on. But seeing like Last Crusade and then looking at this, Last Crusade could have done better with their choreography. But again, this is a martial arts film and there's you see more of that in this movie than you do in other movies around this time and even going forward. 
Uh, is this this movie also feels kind of like a B movie with a studio budget, even though this is a low yeah. budget film. This is actually a really low budget film, even with inflation. But I mean, I still have fun. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like I said, the underbelly of this island is cooking up heroin, ODing people intentionally, and human trafficking. There's there's even a point they have a James Bond moment in this film. Actually, kind of the whole underbelly is like this James Bond moment. Mm-hmm. But I was, I mean, I don't think the movie was ever really taking itself too seriously, and yeah, it was fun. I don't, I don't know that I fully had fun with it. Like I said, there were some moments that we'll talk about, I guess, more in depth, probably when we get the spoilers that I enjoyed more than others. Um, but you know, it did kind of have a B movie feel, partly due to like the funky transitions that were in there, and also just the ADR. I mean, so they filmed a lot of his film without sound and then added it in over top later yeah there's only one scene where it's their actual voice but yeah those transitions those transitions were getting me it took me a minute to get used to those I was like man they're really going yeah. for the psychedelic feel on this one like just the other sounds that kind of took me out were bruce lee's i love combat it. noises oh my gosh <laughs> just thought about it i would be one of those people back in the day that were like really pumped up with this movie and just going and just having fun with it if i was a kid i'll be going back trying all this stuff out i think i oh geez i think i probably <laughs> did as a kid like the whole <laughs> but it, and but again that's just you know we'll talk about more of the influence and significance i didn't even see the movies and i knew about that as a kid yeah is it a is it a great well-made film like, is this like, you know, is this like the, the grand of like, is this top notch cinema? No. But did I have a, an amazing time with it? Yes. Most definitely. Yes. Through and through. Well, the climactic fight went on for a little bit too long, though. I love the fact that they had one of those inner monologue advice from like the older from like your sensei, your master, your teacher. And he applied a metaphorical advice and made it a literal uh, solution yeah you realize yeah i was like okay i don't think that's at all what your teacher was trying to tell you really like <laughs> what he was trying to tell you doesn't apply at all in this situation however the metaphorical scenario that he used is actually the literal one that you're in right now so i mean your teacher would just be like uh that's not what i did it work you, you got okay all right good that's good with me it's like somebody saying how do we get this door open use your head and then pick up a guy and bash him through the door, you know, like those cartoons do. Yeah. It's basically what he did. And speaking of some cartoons, yeah. this, yeah, th- this movie does, again, it has that B-movie feel. It gets cartoony. It, it gets a little, yeah, it, not Looney Tune-ish, but it becomes a cartoon at some points. There was actually a part in this that I had a little bit of deja vu from Indiana Jones. Um, because like in Indiana Jones, it's always the freaking British sending people out on these missions. Was he British? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't, I, I, or at least the, the accent I'm not remembering. Oh, I thought they like specifically mentioned that they were British. No, cause they were like, who do you work for? And he says that I just give information to interested government parties. Mm, the British government. 1973 yeah they're probably doing stuff like this either that or the cia (laughs) one of those two were the were the highest bidders most definitely but i don't know i feel like the british weren't trying to be secretive 
for a while in history. So I don't even know if the 70s, like if they were trying to hide things or they were just still doing imperialism. <laughs> that I don't know. No, eh, they started calming down a bit. They started disguising it as help, which we did too, again. Some of the characters I liked in there, some of them I didn't. Bruce Lee himself, he was pretty static character. Um, I liked him. I enjoyed him, but there really wasn't too much going on. Uh, I liked Roper. I liked Roper in this film. I thought he was a little bit more... He had more of a story arc, honestly. I mean, Bruce Lee obviously had his own story arc. It's just that he was very... He played it very straight. Uh, and Williams was another one that was a big character in him. Here, I didn't like him. <laughs> Williams was kind of a jerk. <laughs> Kelly Williams? Or no, no, I'm thinking Jim Kelly. I think it's just Williams. Jim Kelly is the actor who played Okay, him. yeah. You didn't like him at all? Uh, I started to... But then at some point, he just got a little too full of himself, I feel. He was just, he was kind of a jerk. <laughs> yeah, he was. Well, I don't think he was a jerk so much as he was just, he was just doing his own thing. Mm, see, if he was just doing his own thing, I would have liked him. But sometimes he, he was kind of a jerk. <laughs> but he didn't give up, uh, he didn't give up who he saw uh, going around the island. So I like that. He, he, yeah. he wasn't a snitch. I'll give him that. Yeah, he was full of himself. True. And, you know, that. That was taken care of. He he became humble. <laughs> one of the crazier fight scenes in this one. Yeah, definitely. I did like Roper. I like Roper a lot, who is played by Saxon, who I was surprised mm -hmm. and delighted to see because he doesn't like he's a known actor and he's been in a lot. But mostly, you know, speaking of B movies, a lot of B horror movies. But he's the lieutenant in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise oh okay yeah i didn't really recognize him from anything i know that at one point rod taylor was supposed to play his character and i i do like rod taylor um but but yeah i ended up going to uh whatever his name is what you just said john saxon <laughs> i almost said bill saxon with someone else <laughs> yeah there's totally someone else <laughs> wait you got me messed up did you say ron or no you it's said john. john i said john his name is John Saxon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, and also he's the he plays the cop as well in Black, uh, Black Christmas. So okay, yeah. Like I said, I was like, oh man, I like this actor. Even though at first, like he was, I was like, I know it's not him, but he's reminding me so much of Alan Alda. I think that's pronounced his name, Alda or Alda, the, the guy Hawkeye from Mash, which a lot of people are still uh, like. Okay. Uh, what? Like twenty five percent of our audience just checked out. <laughs> No, but yeah, I think that he did a good job. I really liked his character a lot. I was a bit worried and about I think his character. That he, he had more to work with as an actor, I think, than other roles in this film. And he's actually a black belt in karate. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, like I said, a couple people. Uh, Williams, uh, Jim Kelly as well. I think he has some martial arts training. And there's a big guy that I, th I think it's John Wall, something Wall, that Bruce Lee goes up against. And he has a black belt. Yeah, O'Hara. Is the the, okay. the character, and that's one of those hits that I saw connect. I was like, okay. I was like, I bet, I bet he has some martial arts training as well, because mm. he would know like how to roll roll with it, or you know, it's just the last gotcha. kick, and they were like, ah, just take it, <laughs> just go for it. <laughs> as far as camera work, it was largely unimpressive to me most of the film, but then at some point. There's like a switch and there's this one scene about going into much detail. There's like a bigger brawl with more people involved. 
And that's when the camera technique like really, really came in. You got to see that shapey cam. You got to see some zoom ins and handheld cam. You got to see a little bit more movement there from the camera. And so I really appreciated that. And I think that was a good time to really emphasize it more. Yeah, I think I saw the cameraman swinging at one point. It just got <laughs> hectic. I, I did like the shots in it. I think, again, I'm filtering it for 1973 because some work, some don't. But I give the movie extra credit because looking back at this time, I bet more sharps films were better, but I'm, of course, more used to the American, and I don't think I've seen any 1970 French action films. I don't know if those exist, but there were, there's not a lot of cuts in this movie. There's not a lot of cuts. So, you know, like the choreograph is done well, and they're not working around the choreograph. They're trying to get as much of it as they possibly can. And there was a lot of like interesting shots they had. There's one where it goes to like Bruce Lee's foot and he kicks up goes off camera but then the camera quickly edits out and we you know we get you see the two people and you see the the kick connect like it's really quick but it flows well and i like that Mm -hmm. but i agree like there's some that you know ain't the best but hey i i at least saw all the fights and they weren't just one hit two hit knockouts yeah and that's the thing is that like the fight choreography here was like it was they're using their whole bodies like there were kicks there were punches it wasn't just one or the other a lot of times. So like you had to have your camera account for that and what part of the body is moving and being able to show all that. And I think that it did pretty well with it. Yeah, most most definitely. Did you like the So you like the fights in this movie? Aside from the sound, if you turn the sound off, did you like the fights? <laughs> uh, some of them. Some of them I think were largely forgettable from a... Like I said, it's just because it, it, it does feel a little bit dated. It's They can't really go as over the top of it as you can with more modern films um, where you have a little bit more of the capabilities from a cinematography angle. But there were other fights that did stand out a little bit more to me. Also, some fights that I had hyped up in my mind was that was going to be a big fight just felt a little bit lackluster they went by really fast it it didn't go down how i thought it was going to go down but then other fights that i i wasn't expecting to happen i thought that those were a little bit more elevated than what i would have thought so it, it was interesting like i said i i we'll talk more about that in spoilers i'm sure um because i don't want to say which exact fights until we get to that part but there was a a good mix of ups and downs for me yeah i surprisingly like i've i've seen like little clips of this but I've managed to stay ignorant to most of the movie. So I didn't have anything hyped up. Of course, the final battle is always going to be hyped up. Well, it wasn't hyped up. It was, I mean, not like before watching this film, oh. but the plot itself hyped up certain fights that just were very lackluster to me. Yeah, yeah. There's also one fight that I was like, I guess this is cool, but it was, again, it was kind of cartoony. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, um, I have one last talking point. The... Bruce Lee, what he wanted to do with this film as well, because he did have a hand in this film. He's uncredited for the writing, but he did have a say into the writing. And he wanted to also express the culture of Hong Kong, uh, you know, of his culture. Do you do you think that we got that in this film? Uh, somewhat. I think that it would be difficult to go too in depth with what this film is trying to accomplish but i definitely did see some culture and some uh like manner of 
like dress and and um food there's another part where people are making fun of the food that reminded me of indiana jones but you can definitely tell that it's not it's something that wasn't intended to be harmful in the way that indiana jones was it was supposed to be like the opposite yes so it's interesting because this is a film where so many different cultures are coming together for this tournament. So I feel like sometimes, I don't know that it stood out as strongly as if you just had a tournament that was only people from Hong Kong. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it was too strong, but I think that's a good thing in this. I think that, you know, it kind of blended the two. There is mm-hmm. one scene where you do, you know, you kind of, again, with the costumes, the the setting, you also have Bruce Lee, his mannerisms when they're on the boat interacting with other individuals that, you know, you do feel like, okay, they're, that this is, an, another culture is present. This isn't so much an American movie with a Chinese accent to it. Like, this feels more like mm-hmm. a, a Chinese movie inviting Americans into it, which is pretty much what happens during the dinner scene. And the dinner scene, like, I didn't feel like it was, like... I didn't feel like the whole Hong Kong, the whole Chinese element was pushed right in my face. It didn't feel like big trouble in little Chinatown where you feel like you've just been teleported to, you know, kind of, I don't want to say stereotypical, especially because I don't want to criticize big trouble in little China. But yeah, I don't, I don't feel like they were like, all right, we got to make everything Hong Kong. We got to bring Hong Kong right here. I think it was, it was subtle. Like it felt, it felt natural, Mm -hmm. genuine. Yeah. And I don't think that that was the only culture that it was showcasing either, because I think you got to see a lot of um, William's culture and like where he's coming from as a black American as well, which was was interesting. And we'll definitely talk about that a little bit more in significance. Oh, man, I would have loved to be because they play this. Um, we'll talk more about this movie and exploitation, but they played a lot of these, this movie alongside exploitation films. And that crowd was also loving this film, and eventually this film had influence on it. But I would love to have been in that theater during one of the parts of this movie. I was like, man, I bet that crowd was cheering on. I bet people went to the theater just to check this out <laughs> over and over again. Uh, but yeah, it was cool that you know you just get a little bit of his his culture in there as well. He gets a little, he gets a little something. And again, for 1973 and for having that occur, I think that's um, you know that's significant as well. So we're not far from the Hays Code at this point, or like a decade. Yeah, this came out during a time where it was kind of like a little bit more of the fall of the studio system. Yes. Yeah, I was reading about that too. I wanted to try to fit in here more, but couldn't see too much relation. Mm-hmm. Right, let's talk about the influence. So, you know, everybody go ahead, get your pen and paper out, because it's kind of a long list here. Yeah, definitely. Do you want to start off? Yeah, so this is often considered the most influential kung fu film, and... I guess we can go ahead and start talking a little bit about uh, exploitation, And that kind of also follows under significance as well, but it also was influential too. Uh, so at the time, uh, Hollywood, a lot of martial arts films were being filmed alongside uh, or showed alongside exploitation films in theaters. So it wasn't just this one. There were some before this that were just showed alongside kind of like a specialty crowd almost. And so there was already this link here between exploitation. And martial arts that studios really wanted to capitalize on. So this was among the first films to really combine martial arts elements and black exploitation genre. And its success led to a series of other 
productions that combine martial arts and black exploitation. Uh, Jim Kelly himself, who plays Williams, actually went on to play more martial arts roles in black exploitation films in the 70s as after this, such as uh, Black Belt Jones, The Black Samurai, Hot Potato, Three of a Hard Way, and several other films as well. And just in general, we've seen even later on films such as Rush Hour with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker, Romeo's Die with Jet Li and Aaliyah. There was other films that kind of drew a connection between Asian culture and uh, Black culture as well, Black American culture. Which is interesting because you wouldn't, not saying that they're polar opposite or anything, but it's not really two cultures that you would see being able to be blended together like that. Like, if you were a studio head and you were like, all right, they're making movies over here, they're making movies over here, which two cultures can we go ahead and combine? Because uh, the black culture really does, I mean, I think, I think the black culture really does like martial arts and martial arts films because you have Wu-Tang Clan. Wu-Tang Clan is all about martial arts. They went on ahead to produce mm-hmm. some, I think even direct some, and their first album is called Enter the Wu-Tang. I know my dad likes martial arts films as well. And I watch some of those, the modern ones with him now. I know he liked the older ones growing up as well. I feel like right now uh, we're seeing more black people getting into anime. Uh, it may be the same amount, but I feel like, you know, like when I see streamers and just uh, video content or audio content about people talking about anime, it seems like a large portion of it is, is made by black people. I feel like that's also partly due to just like social media culture and just people from minorities being able to express their interests more freely than what they had in the past, especially for black women in anime, I've noticed. Yeah, yeah. But it goes on to, you know, with that, with the martial arts in anime, something about martial arts is appealing to the black culture. I, I don't, I don't know what it is. I'm a part of it. I don't know what it is that draws me to it. <laughs> Uh, the show The Get Down, which is on, which was unfortunately canceled uh, a couple of years ago on Netflix, uh, it also mentions kind of this link between hip hop and b boys and kung fu and other Eastern Asian influences. Uh, and kung fu is also an influence on the filmmaking of that show as well. There was a video release from Slate that goes more into it, but I'll be sure to link on our socials as well. Yeah, I think the next martial arts film we do, if we do another big one that's connected to black exploitation, I'll get some more details. On that, like, why is there, or at least I bet there's theories out there. I'll see which ones are pretty strong. That's why there's such a connection. And, like, you know, there's a mutual love for it between these two cultures. But even Bloodsport was, it, mm-hmm. it looks like it was influenced heavily, if not just ripping off Enter the Dragon. Bloodsport's another film that I've been wanting to watch. Is it a must see, or can we just go ahead and watch that? Uh, I'm not sure. I thought it might be. But I'm not 100% sure. We'll have to look into that. Yeah, I, I was looking. I was like, it sounds not that great. But the cult cla- the cult behind it, the cult following, not, you know, like an actual cult. cult. following, yeah. Yeah, there's not <laughs> an actual. Well, there may be. I'm going to find that cult now. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. That may raise it up to the status of something like Top Gun. Gotcha. Okay. It'll probably be the one time we can talk about John Klon Van Damme, too. Yeah, that's true. As far as other ways it is an influence, Quentin Tarantino, of course, has referenced it as being influential in his career. You can definitely see this with, like, Kill Bill. Um, but it's also been referenced throughout television and in sitcoms like that 70s show and uh, also another anime like Dragon Ball Z, I believe, has referenced it as well. There was also a subgenre. Uh, some of them, some people refer to it as bl- Bruce Bloitation. 
that it was a genre that really emerged after this film and after Bruce Lee's death because Bruce Lee unfortunately did pass away a month before this film was released. Uh, but a lot of filmmakers from Hong Kong and other parts of Asia would cast Bruce Lee lookalikes to star in like imitation films. Uh, you know, because this was a very popular genre at this point, and because of his film Enter Dragon. So there was films called like The Clones of Bruce Lee, uh, Enter the Fat Dragon, Exit the Dragon, The Dragon Lives Again. So there was a lot of other uh, films that were kind of like ripping off directly from this. Thus it appeared dragon, drop down dragon. <laughs> oh crap, there's a dragon. Yep. It's also been cited, this film, as an impact on MMA, mixed martial arts, as various techniques in martial arts, clothing, and items were used conjunctively in areas of the film, and has elements that would later be adopted in MMA. There's also several, like, UFC fighters that have uh, cited, like, influence and just their general admiration for Bruce Lee and Bruce Lee in this film. The film also influenced fighting games, including Tekken, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat. And in general, this was a lot of Westerners' introduction to martial arts and martial arts films. And so a lot of people actually went and, you know, they wanted to be a part of this. They wanted to go get martial arts instructions, take classes. And so there was an influence in that regard as well. Yeah, this was definitely not only an influence on the Mortal Kombat game, though Bloodsport was also an influence. Mortal Kombat was actually supposed to be a Bloodsport video game, but they couldn't get the rights. And also John claude Van Damme, uh, he was too busy at the time. Because actually the character Johnny Cage, initials JC, John claude that's where they, mm -hmm. they got it from. I'm a huge fan of Mortal Kombat. I would say like it's one of my it's definitely one of my favorite game franchises, but it's also just one that I have like a lot of fond memories since I was a child about it. Like I actually played this one, you know, a little going to go ahead and date myself. I played this one on the arcade at a as a at a pizza joint. Now, granted, it wasn't like if I was really dating myself, I would say that I played this in, you know, when arcades were big back in the 80s. But I wasn't around during that time. But some of these machines were just kind of spread out. I don't know. I guess when arcades died. The arcade machines got up and they started migrating places. You know, you just see them like on the side of the street with a cardboard box. But I remember playing this at the at the pizza joint waiting for... Luckily, it took them a while to get it out. But I made it all the way to the top of the ladder. So proud of myself until Goro came in and just ripped me apart. Well, at least I get pizza after this. Yeah, for me, arcade was at like the Putt Putt Golf Center. Like yeah. they had a Putt Putt Golf and arcade, and like that was kind of my experience. But with Soul Calibur, Soul Calibur was my Mortal Kombat. Ooh, I had played some Soul Calibur. Soul Calibur is a little too much for me. <laughs> Mortal Kombat, I don't like the 3D arena fighting games so much. Especially maybe because mm, Tekken. Gotcha. I thought I was good at Tekken, and then I tried playing it online, and I've I've only had my spirit broken like that probably one other time and that's when i try to play miss child mrs child's in scrabble like i got <laughs> oh, gosh destroyed <laughs> <That's scary. laughs> i can imagine I think those are, like the two biggest like moments that i've just been like all dignity and pride was just shattered uh, <laughs> and my character was just up in the air the whole time now mortal kombat the movie as well was inspired the inspired by this movie uh also luke kang is inspired by bruce lee but the movie is pretty much this movie right here. Uh, the Mortal Kombat movie, they got to go to an island. They got to participate in a, in a um, what's it called? They got to participate in a tournament. It's all head by Shang Tsung in Mortal Kombat. 
or Shang Su, something Shang. And, you know, pretty much this guy in this movie, Han, uh, Han's right hand man is named Bolo. And he's like a real big muscular dude that everybody's scared of. And his name, again, is Bolo. And in the Mortal Kombat, you got Goro. So B O L O G O R O. And he's the forearm big right hand man of the uh, antagonist in that. Okay. Are you talking about the the original movie? Yeah, the original movie. The, the only good movie. <laughs> I don't I don't remember that one. I watched it as a child, but I don't remember it. That one's actually good. I rewatched that one. I mean, it was a while ago since I re rewatched it, but I rewatched it when I was I think I was like seventeen or eighteen. I was like, yeah, this still holds up actually. That was considered for a while as the best video game movie. So we have this, you know, to thank for one of the best video game movies till Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Which is weird that those were the two, like, if somebody, if aliens came down, they're like, so what do you guys, uh, what do you guys recommend for video game movies? We're really liking these things. Are there movies based on it? Yeah. You got Mortal Kombat or do you want Sonic the Hedgehog? <laughs> That's what the aliens are concerned about. <laughs> yeah. Why would they be concerned with our politics? <laughs> like if I traveled all across the solar system, I'm just going somewhere to have fun. And this broad and kind of like Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat is full of unique unique fighting styles and this movie has unique fighting styles. There are different fighting styles between the the characters. Not everybody's not everybody's performing the same moves. Mm-hmm. And that's something that influences movies later on. Did you have anything else? I forgot if you passed it to me or if I just bounced off of you. Uh no, not under influence. I don't I believe this was the influence for John Wick's mirror scene. There's a mirror fight scene in John Wick Chapter 2. That's where he goes against uh, Rose, whatever her face is, from Orange's New Black and Batgirl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everybody was obsessed with for a little bit. I know. I I did not understand that obsession. <laughs> I think that's part of the reason why I don't like that film. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't like that film either, but there was this mirror fight scene, and I don't know, I think... Pretty much, I've seen a lot of those mirror fight scenes, but mm-hmm. usually it's guns. But I think John Wick mixed it with yeah, they mix it with guns and knives. Talked about uh, talk about Wu Tang. There have been there's actually a Enter the Dragon remake right now. A director has been chosen. It's been in production or oh. it's been uh, in development since 2018, 19, 18. They announced it. 19, I think they got the director and they've just been in development since. They haven't announced any casting. So I saw that there was one like announced in 2018, but a lot of remakes like this, especially if it's been a while, they don't really go anywhere. But I didn't know that there was actually a director attached. Do you know what director's attached? No, I don't remember. And it's funny too, because the one that they first had was kind of significant. Like he was a a known director, but I can't remember Mm -hmm. who the new one is. Actually, I don't think I I knew him. But yeah, two things are either going on. Either they kind of just got this floating around they're just working on the script and they're trying to find the right time to release this because it is warner brothers as well and warner brothers is going through a lot of changes and (laughs) everything everything is probably being like if if your movie doesn't have a like 85 percent chance of making its budget back you're not getting it passed through warner brothers like warner brothers is hurting or i mean good Support your actors and writers' guilds. Well, I, I mean, yeah, definitely support them, but I don't think that's why Warner Brother went downhill or deserves to go downhill. Uh, yeah, I mean, so a lot of it is, well, it's because it's Zaslav. I, 
I don't know how I feel about him. Yeah, so he's he's in charge of he's the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, and he just makes very bad decisions, and he's one of the big villains of the current strikes that are going on right now. Um, I would say, and yeah. Oh, I didn't know he was one of the big so villains. I feel like, yeah, because I I think he was one of uh, like between him and like Bob Iger, um, a lot of the CEOs who are taking a lot a lot of money. Uh, not sharing that wealth, but um, yeah. But ever since he kind of got in, there's been so many different changes and cancellations and and things going off uh, HBO or Max or whatever. So it's just been decision after decision here, and I think that it's all kind of accumulated to Warner Brothers' kind of downfall right now. But it's not it's not a good time to be making movies right now. Yeah, no. So, Enter the Dragon remake, especially not all their remakes are doing well. Some remakes have been hitting, some haven't. Like, White Boy Can't Jump, or White Man Can't Jump. And then also, what was the, what was the LeBron movie? House Party. House Party didn't do well, but Evil Dead did. Yeah, because they went against their original plan to not have it in theaters. Otherwise. <laughs> and that was his move. Um, what, what was his name? I was about to call him Zoloff. Zaslov. Zaslov. David Zaslov. Yeah, that I mean, that was his decision, though, to put that movie in theaters. I'm saving my judgment for him because he's only been working for a little over a year, if that. So I can't judge him on his actions because I haven't seen the full results and the planning because he got put in a position where I was like, yeah, you're going to have to make tough decisions. There's going to have to be cuts. And, you know, we'll mm. we'll see how he <laughs> for, for me. I, I got to see how he does, because like, yeah, I'm like, man, I hate that you had to do that. Or, you know, I hate that no, you did do that. No, my judgment. <laughs> and I'll, I'll support su- your local unions. <laughs> support the unions, guys. Support the unions. Now, now, how he affected the unions and all that, I'll have to look into that before I can say anything. But him cutting stuff off of HBO, I would, holding my, I'm holding my judgment till I see his plan fully set out, see what the, the big picture is. Because I'm really curious, especially when you got Blue Beetle and Aquaman still coming out. Ugh. Yeah, support your union, support your writers, your actors, and also support your below-the-line workers first as well because they're they're really hurting too, um, probably more than what we're seeing. So yeah, I agree with you all the way on that. Support them unless they get in the way. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, we just got kind of wrapped up talking about Warner Brothers and studios, and this kind of transitions into our significance, which is. Uh, this was the first Chinese movie distributed by Hollywood, and that was actually brought to us by Warner Brothers. And that's something I've been noticing on the show and just kind of looking at movies is I feel that Warner Brother has been, at least with the big studios, has been the one to really bring in new ideas and take more chances than other studios and let them do their thing. Like they really let Bruce Lee have influence on this movie and influence on the script. One of the things Bruce Lee made sure didn't happen is that Roper became the hero. You know, he, Bruce Lee stayed the protagonist. He stayed the hero. It wasn't this uh, white American that was the hero of this film. Something I kind of see like one of the things that I thought was going to happen with this film. And then when I was kind of looking up Bloodsport, I saw that more. And when, when I first saw Roper in this film, I was a little bit worried. I was like, man, I hope he doesn't overtake this because this is an American movie. Mm-hmm. But no, they let Bruce Lee do his thing. And he got in his arguments with the director as well. They kind of went separate ways. Uh, with the movie, but you know they 
Bruce Lee still got to be a heavy influence in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to backtrack a little bit about, to, to go into a little bit of the history of this, just because I think that's also important. Because, uh, like, Bruce Lee had a reputation in Hollywood as a fight coordinator uh, for a lot of different stars, and he had his role in the Green Hornet TV show as Kato, but he really did struggle to get other acting parts, and he wanted to write his own scripts, but he just didn't have any chance, like, here in the U.S., as a filmmaker, as someone who wanted to do other roles that aren't, like, really stereotypical. You know, in uh, in Hollywood at that time, like, you didn't really have many roles for Asian characters that weren't stereotypical. There was either, like, the, the Fu Manchu villain character, or there's more, like, a, a model minority character. And uh, so there wasn't really much here for him. So he went back to Hong Kong, and that's when he really started to make successful films. Uh, he made several successful films in Hong Kong. And then he was able to come back to the U.S. and get his film made. Like, so he approached Warner Brothers. He approached a producer at Warner Brothers. He, they didn't approach him. He, he went to them first. And then because of his success in Hong Kong and these other reasons why they wanted to kind of capitalize off um, an already kind of growing trend in Hollywood, I wouldn't say that this was out of a kindness of their heart. Like, there was something, there was other external, external forces going on here. But because of that success, they're like, yeah, yeah, let's do this. And so Bruce Lee, like you said, it really was a lot of him in this movie. It was his first time working with an American studio and they let him do all the fight sequences. He choreographed the fight sequences and a lot of like in the script, there are areas that would just describe the action sequences as this will be choreographed by Mr. Bruce Lee. So it was kind of cool. And he got to play a character that was strong and and masculine and different than what was typical of the Hollywood representation of Asian Americans. And so it was great representation in, in that way. And it also later encouraged American filmmakers to invest in other martial arts films as well. And it, it is a shame that he didn't really get to see that legacy of this film because, like I said, he did uh, pass away a month before the film's release. And this film, too, it had a huge marketing budget. Uh, they went a lot into marketing like for, for public appearances, posters, comics. Uh, other integrations with different like martial arts classes and studios so there was a lot going on here to promote this film as well so i, I mean i'm glad it did well yeah and i don't know if that was towards me but don't don't get me wrong i'm not naive i, I know they didn't do this out of the kindness of their hearts when i say <laughs> admiration or you know i like what they're doing it's it's more the business side of me that i like that they take chances and that they leave who they leave the work to who uh to those who they hired and they're not trying to get too involved. Like they're like, hey, we, we're giving you the money. You came to us. You you want it? You know, hey, even though you're an Asian, and even though you know we don't have movies like this, we're gonna go ahead and take the chance. We're giving you the money, trusting you to do what you do. And they made money off of that. That's part of like the business. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like, oh man, WB. They're such a charity. I talk about a more <laughs> good nature. No, no. Even a twenty four. I would I wouldn't say all that. But uh, talking about Lee and this being. His this is actually really his final film as well. He did have movies after this, but they were archive footage and they just patched them up together. They weren't really there, there were no full films that Bruce Lee had worked on after this film. And unfortunately, he passed away like three weeks before this film uh, due, due to some swelling in his brain. 
which they think was uh, allergic reaction to some headache medicine. Oh, so I didn't really get into details. Or, I mean, I didn't look into details of how he passed away. I just saw cerebral edema. Yes. That's what they believe. They don't know exactly what caused it. I mean, it is the 1970s as well. Surprised they got that far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he didn't get to see like all the success that he would have, you know, all the success and everything that he would have created and all the movies that he would have created after this. Probably too many movies, honestly. Yeah. But yeah, man, for him, because he would have been 80 now, I think. Yeah, he would have been 80. Wow. So he would have been able to see all of this that came after. He would have met, he most yeah. likely would have met Wu-Tang Clan. There would have been a picture of Wu-Tang <laughs> yeah. Clan with Bruce Lee. That's sad. Yeah. I said before, this has a lack of a non-American hero. So again, that's something, something different, something, you know, we talked about these films before. We talked about with Thelma and Louise most recently. You know, you had, uh, you had someone who wasn't the, the usual, the usual star of a movie and making tons of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hong Kong stuntmen who had to do stunts closer to the real thing, I found out, which was pretty interesting. Uh, stuntmen in Hong Kong during that time didn't have like the technologies that we do with breakaway glass. So they were used to, hey, man, we just go all in and hope for the best. Hopefully we can we can shoot wow. another scene. The funny thing is, though, they had they hired so many extras that they ended up hiring rival gang members. So fights would actually break on, <laughs> break out on set. <laughs> I did read that. Now, this was filmed in Hong Kong, and they actually used American and Chinese crew members. With the stuntmen as well, you know, talking about, again, I'm not naive knowing that the studio is all about business, but a kind heart would be Bruce Lee. So Bruce Lee would actually sit down with the stuntmen and eat with them. He would eat with the crew. He didn't eat with the, you know, with all the executive heads out there. He sat at the table and, you know, he was he was a humble man. Which That's I mean, cool. I, that under, that makes so much sense. Seeing how he was, like he probably more than anybody knows what it takes to do all that, and he was, mm-hmm. he was a stunt man himself. Yeah, I say that's probably the people that he's used to hanging around with, anyways, from his previous work in American film. And there was a particular stunt man uh, who happens to be significant in this, and that is Jackie Chan. Who at first <laughs> I texted you, I was like. Man, we missed the chance to do a Jackie Chan film with this TMNT coming up. And then I found out that, oh, wait, he's in this film. It all works out. Yeah. Yeah, he's... Now, I completely missed him. I didn't notice him at all. I'm not going to lie to you. I kept my eye out the whole no. time. But Jackie Chan is a stunt person in this. He is a... Not just a stunt person, but he's one of the henchmen in this film that fights Bruce Lee. Now... Isn't he uncredited? I'm not sure if he's uncredited. He's credited in our hearts. Uh-huh. That's all that matters. <laughs> and he actually... He plays two henchmen... Or one henchman who just has bad luck because he fights him twice. And one time there, Bruce Lee has sticks and he accidentally actually hits Jackie Chan with a stick. From what I read, there were no injuries mm. reported. However, you know, Jackie Chan actually got hit with a stick by Bruce Lee. And Bruce Lee felt so bad that he told Jackie Chan, like, hey, for now on, all my films, you can be in them. Which is crazy. Like, of all the people, all of those henchmen in that movie, the person he hit was jackie chan and then yeah and that like he would have been in all those bruce lee films and though bruce lee died jackie chan still became what he is today so like he was Mm kind of covered either way so like there's like an alternate timeline out there with jackie chan and bruce lee movies that i really want to see i know that would have been oh that would have been so cool there are some images though where you can see jack chan now grant he was really young during this time. But apparently he took that stick like a champ. He's like, man, it's cool. It's whatever. Mm. Movie, this movie also got 
like actual fighters to to do the acting in this film. And we talk sometimes like how that's not always a good idea to actually get someone who can. Sometimes it's easier to get an actor to do the actions than it's to get someone who specializes in the actions to do acting. We saw that with Love and Basketball. Mm, yeah. But other times, I mean, it kind of, I mean, for this, it worked though. You know, probably because you can mm-hmm. train more people. Like, I think martial arts, like, you can train more for that. Or, like, it's more, more people know martial arts than, like, say, basketball. Something that's even, like, more specialized. Like, no one really gets professional. If you're not doing professional basketball, you probably don't get professional basketball training. But there are a lot of people that go out to martial arts studios and get mixed martial arts training. Like for film? Before film. Like there's probably you- like more so like with the with the whole love and basketball, you know, like they it, they found it harder to train a basketball player to be called to to act than an actor to play basketball. But they probably had a smaller pool to pick from out of trained basketball players that wanted to act. Ah, uh, okay. You you want a diagram? I actually have something. I have a PowerPoint I can send over. <laughs> I feel like I do need a, a Venn diagram here. <laughs> do you have anything for significance that I didn't mention? I feel like I have one more thing. Check my notes. And because later on we get, you know, the 80s hit, we get pretty much like bodybuilders as our action stars. You know, we get Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Uh, Sylvester Stallone. And God dang, Bruce Lee, man, he's... He's shredded, like the definition of shredder. Like, he's just like, like I don't know if there's an ounce of fat on him. It's just all muscle. Yeah, but he is slim compared to like you said those bodybuilders. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Shredded, like shredded, like you know, shredded is, is mostly for somebody who's super toned. Like he's not mm-hmm. swole, as the kids say. <laughs> I don't think they still as say the that. As <laughs> the older kids say. <laughs> I mean, they might, but I don't. I feel like that was a <laughs> our generation thing. Oh. The nunchucks, the nunchucks, man, I've, I think every kid's kind of tried to do this before. Maybe like found something like kind of like nunchucks. I'm, I, he may have done it in other films, but seeing in this film, what he can do, it's like, oh man, I want to try that. And then you try it and get smacked in the face. No. I actually have a pair of nunchucks. <laughs> Don't try it. And I, I oh, tried gosh. something, like I can do one move, but after that, like, no, I ain't doing it anymore. Ooh. <laughs> things are heavy. It's a scary thought. <laughs> Yeah. Bryant with nunchucks. No, don't worry. The only person that's going to get hurt is me, and I'm bystander. <laughs> no, that's 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 the scare over there. Like Bruce, like, right, who would you recommend this movie for? I mean, obviously, if you like martial arts films, go yeah, watch this yeah, film. that's given. <laughs> or just action films in general, you know. And this might be something a little bit out of your wheelhouse. Like if you watch other action films a lot, but you haven't really dived into martial arts films. Um, then this would also be a good entry point, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is definitely the entry point. This is, look, a dragon entered. You can enter. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'll recommend this to general audience. I think for cinephiles, you know, who just want to see different genres of movies, kind of, you know, just get the, the full out culture and see the history and development. Hey, this movie needs to be part of your list. Now we're going to go ahead and pull out the old nunchucks, do a little swinging around, kick these spoilers out of their cage, along with all the drunken vagrants that were also in cages in this movie, and whacked out (laughs) junkies, accidental junkies. What's a junkie that didn't want to be a junkie? Like, if you're forced to be a junkie, are you still a junkie? Or I feel like you deserve a better name. I mean, I feel like you're just like a lab rat. (laughs) Yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, lab rat. 
Oh, wait, let's not say that. Let's not say that. That might be taken. Take, take them out. Who? Which I don't want to do. Racially. I don't want to use the word rat. Let's not do that. We, we already said splinter. Out. He's a giant rat. Yeah, but do you know, you know that's a slur, right? No. A rat. You already told me about people. banana. I don't know about rat. Yeah, that's a big uh, racial thing, calling Asian people rats. Oh. So let's, not, let's not say rat, rat. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I mean, it wasn't, they weren't the ones getting fueled up with heroin. It was the white women. Uh, the white women. Yeah, I don't know. You're just a victim then. I think I think you're just a victim. I'm an addict by by circumstances. Hmm. But yeah, we're going to go. I don't know where you're going to put this. All right, we're getting into spoilers. Caitlin, where do you want to start out with the spoilers? Um. So, I mean, I think we can talk about a little bit of the the plot here with his sister. I think yes. we can start about that because we didn't really talk about that in detail. So we figure out in the film that uh, one of the villains, like right hand man's, actually killed Bruce Lee's sister, and Bruce Lee is just told about it in the beginning of this film uh, when he decides to go on this island. His um, his uh, like an elder tells him the story, and you kind of see a flashback of his sister. Um, when she is murdered and, and is chased, well, she runs away. There's like this big chase sequence that I thought was really well done. I actually really enjoyed that part. Yes. Uh, and then at the end, she is, uh, cornered and murdered, unfortunately. So Not that murdered. was an element of the, what? She committed suicide. Oh yes. You're right. So yeah. Hey, hey, More or less. My client is not guilty of murder. All right. They were just wondering the time <laughs> she got hysterical. And then negative. Yeah. yeah. So like she commits suicide to like, you know, prevent the worst from happening to her. So she really did go out like a G is what I wrote in my notes. Like she went out on her own terms. Uh, and I, 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 this plot element, I wish would have gone differently. I mean, so first of all, it, it's kind of like a stereotypical type of thing you know, a woman dies and that's going to propel the plot forward. But it, it, I wouldn't say that it did it so greatly in this film. This is actually kind of a minor plot point in this film. And the way it ended up being resolved, I thought was really lackluster. I, I said that the film itself kind of hypes up these these fights uh, because O'Hara is the one who, you know, led to the death of his sister. And so when he finally fights O'Hara it's a very quick fight it's a very easy fight he doesn't really put up any kind of challenge for Bruce Lee at all and it was very underwhelming there's no like sense of like vengeance or like justice for his sister at all it's just okay that was it all right (laughs) yeah I I do wish it was a little bit more I like I do also like that he just kicked the crap out of him I did yeah that's a cliche motivator i wonder if it was a cliche at this point for a family member to die i did like though the one thing i did like is she didn't get raped all right we didn't have to go through that and she also you know speaking of representation for people in this movie she was if there was like one less of them one less of them she would have got it she would have won and she was destroying them she was tough she was cool. Like, I would have liked to see more from her, like more of that action sequence, because I thought that she did amazing. That actress, I don't know her name right now, but I thought that she did a really, really good job with what she was given in this script. Caitlin, you and I, we can make a prequel. No, 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 no. we can make a sequel. She doesn't die. <laughs> Somebody comes in and saves her, 
And then, oh man, I already got something. I'm 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 sending you the notes right now. Yeah, that I want to say it felt tacked on because I think you did need something personal for him to go to that island because it was like, why else would he work for a government agency? Mm-hmm. But no, yeah, that that fight scene was like, all right, just maybe if Ohar wasn't like built up so much, yeah, or if Han was also in charge of it, then that would have been better because Han wasn't like he wasn't even present. He didn't even do anything. Yeah. yeah. Would, uh, you wanted to talk about Jim Kelly a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that you talked about a certain moment that was big for the 70s. Was that referring to his running with the cops? Yes, yeah. That would have been okay. uh, a big scene to see in the 70s, 70s, especially early 70s. And it would have, again, I would love to be in that theater, you know, in these, you know, because that's where these, these exploitation films that are really playing a lot in know urban cities urban areas who were having those issues with cops so that would have been no it'd been mm-hmm. uh cathartic been great but yeah when he steals the cop car like that was one of my favorite moments oh so unnecessary <laughs> it was so funny it was so unnecessary but i loved it i thought he was just gonna crash it and leave but no he just he just took it <laughs> yeah i wonder if that was even part of the script like he just left with it yeah and then, yeah he took he took him out i was like he could take them out right now. And I mean, they don't have body cams. They didn't get an ID on them. Yeah. Granted, now, it being the 70s, they're probably going to find some other light-skinned dude with a fro and beat and lock him up. Mm-hmm. Man, Caitlin, why did you have to bring the whole the whole mood down? Can we just have that moment? <laughs> I didn't say that. I like this character, though. And I felt bad for his character, especially because he gets... Man, not only did they kill him, but they hung him... Again, from that James Bond water pit. I'm surprised he didn't like. Yeah. You didn't hear some chomping and some blood coming up. Yeah, I, 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 like I said, I thought he was a jerk. I wasn't a big fan of his character, but I did feel bad for him the way he went out and what was done to him. And I did also like the friendship between him and Roper as well. And I, I, I felt I had, you know, I had, I had some feels there. Yeah, when Roper sees when he, him, when he died, I, I would say like, you know, we this movie isn't focused on the two of them. But there was just enough in there that I, I feel it. Like, I can see why mm-hmm. Roper is upset. Yeah, they had some good chemistry together. They did. They did. They worked well together. And the scenes that they're together, I, I did like Williams more. Yes. Yeah, I can see that. What One thing that got me in this movie, I guess because it's a lower budget, is that so they know that he went down the gravestone, the headstone or whatever. They went into the grave, and that's how he got into the factory. So instead of posting more guards up by that entry point, they just put a snake. They're like, yeah, this is good. <laughs> like, I know I know they killed three of the guards, but at the same time, like, there's so many people on this island, you guys couldn't hire anybody else. At least a lookout who can blow a horn. Nah, this snake's got it. I know this dude took out, like, five guards, and this is, you know, probably a contestant who knows his martial arts, but he's not expecting a snake. Yeah, I mean, and an actual snake at that—that that was <laughs> that was cool. I was not expecting that to be a real snake in 1973. <laughs> yeah, and I read that Bruce Lee did tap it ten times, and he got bit once, so he was just showing off. Oh my off. gosh! <laughs> he was actually—he showed off too on set. He said he'll give a hundred dollars, which is quite a bit, 1973. He said he'll give a hundred dollars to anybody if they can catch his hand before he jabs them. Nobody could do it. Wow. Yeah, he had. Uh, yeah, there were some. When he's fighting O'Hara, his hands are quick. Yeah, he is fast. Super, like, 
Yeah, and again, you know, I don't want slow mo, so that was just cool just seeing that. Just, just a quick blur, and the dude's stunned. He's like, "What? Yeah. What the heck just hit me? His hands are still where they're at." <laughs> oh, uh, going back to Williams for a second, I, I did have my notes something that I also thought uh, like while this film was big as far as black representation as well i I did have some things that i think my problem with williams is that there was it wasn't free from a lot of stereotypes because i remember when he is confronting or han confronts him like he he talks about how he's a character that only likes the combat only likes art and it kind of just kind of painted them as just you know your typical aggressive stereotype which i was not a fan of yeah, I would just say that at least he didn't seem like he was just aggressive and about the fights because he did have some social concerns as well. And mm-hmm. it did seem like he was kind of part of his community because he does visit the the karate center where he gets taught. But yeah, there there is a bit of a, you know, it's kind of, I feel like that's kind of our standard black character back in the day, just kind of the way he looked and his attitude. Yeah. Maybe that's why I got offended because he's like, I'm not about the combat. You know, I also do this for my community. But at the same time, like, I can see him doing that to the cops. But so what about stealing the cop car? Uh, Was that about the community? (laughs) Why not? So the other fight sequence I really liked in this film, as I mentioned, there was kind of a brawl before. And that's when a lot of the, you know, it was the vagrants, right? That were kind of like finally freed. Yes. And and then we get to just see this brawl between all these people and uh, against Han's people. And I think that was probably my favorite fight sequence in the whole film. Yeah, that was a great one. Uh, I think that like just in general, when you have like a large crowd of people, there can be a little bit more show. I'm thinking of like the raid two oh. with that uh, prison scene. How like once you add like a whole large like group of people, it kind of has a different kind of showiness than just a one on one fight. Yeah, definitely, because it's just, it's madness, your eyes are everywhere, it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's heavy on stimulant, and it's good, too, when you're looking around, and you don't see anybody slacking off, because I feel like sometimes you can watch a medieval battle, or a sword battle, and you see that one guy over there just kind of tapping the other guy's shield, and they're both just talking <laughs> to each other, he's like, hey, you, you want to get a Mexican after this, or what do you got planned? <laughs> now, everybody in here is fighting. I wonder, like, if some of them were actually fighting, because, again, there were some rival gangs, and... I could see somebody yeah. being like, oh, now's my chance. <laughs> There's a good variety of fights, too, with uh, with Bruce Lee in that, like, when all the henchmen just start coming out and him grabbing weapons. Reminds me a little mm-hmm. bit of Jackie Chan's fighting style with the improv. Just not, uh, not as crazy. Mm-hmm. I'd say, like, the tournament fights didn't really do too much for me. A lot of the one-on-one fights. And the final climactic fight... Uh, didn't didn't really work for me. It felt a little bit silly, and but I don't understand why the villain had the Wolverine claws come out. Because he didn't have a hand. Yeah, but yeah no, it was ridiculous. Again, we're in like we're in <laughs> B movie territory. Yeah, and that's like also the fight where we get a lot of wild leaps in with Bruce Lee's fight choreography as well that were a little a little silly. Yeah, those were silly. I think they were trying to go for the. Mm, was anime around this time? Was it big around this time? Because it reminded me of the anime shot where like the two characters go past each other, or the two swordmen go past each other, and then one of them falls. Yeah, because it didn't make any sense. Like, what is the technique behind both of you jumping at each other like this? I, yeah. I didn't. I don't think that anime was big or a thing back then. Yeah, as far as my knowledge. Now I did like the 
because there's three fight scenes. You got the courtyard, and then they go into the building, and then you have when they go into the the mirror room. I like the one in the middle. I thought that one was really good. And there's a moment like it is it is a dummy, but I think you know as as well as you can use a dummy. I think it was it was done great, and it was effective because it got me like the emotion and feelings, the impact that was meant to be given is what I got before I realized, oh yeah, that was a dummy, but he kicks the mess out that dummy. I never felt <laughs> bad does. for a dummy. That dummy was not reused. <laughs> that dummy got workers comp. Now, I think that's the movie just ends. Not really, yeah. not really too it, much it happens. Just ends. Man, you know, this movie would have, oh, the eighties would have ran with this. This, this would have got crazy by the end. And then we would have, had, we would have yeah. had a legacy sequel. By now, we had a reboot and oh, a legacy sequel. Absolutely. This year being the 50th anniversary, they're like, hey, Harrison Ford got up on a horse. I mean, it took some assistance and some CGI, but he got up there. Bruce Lee, you got this. Yeah, I know. I, I talked, I mean, I was reading some things about like if this had, like if Bruce Lee had in the past and this had been like a series, like it would have been like a really good spy series. And, you know, I don't know about really anything. good. We're talking about 80 sequels. I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah very true but i mean i sometimes it's better just let leave things lie <laughs> let things be one thing you know what would happen in the second one he would have went to the hood i put money on it see because they because of <laughs> like um how this was being played by exploitation films and how so many black people were going to see this film he would have went to the city his next movie just like the predator did if I'm being honest, though, I thought that this actually was part of a series because I mean, his other film was Way of the Dragon uh, and Fist of Fury. I thought that those were like a, a like a trilogy. The first thing I did, because I was watching the movie, I was like, man, I can't wait to watch the sequels. First thing I did when that cut off, I was like, Enter the Dragon? Scroll? Scroll? Enter the Dragon 2? No? No? Is it? Does it have a subtitle? Is it something else? He died three weeks before? Mm-hmm. Did he film a sequel before then? No? God dang it. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I would have. Even if they were bad, I would probably still end up watching them. Like I said, like, I thought that this was, like, an entryway, and I thought this became out before Way of the Dragon and Fist of a Fury, but no. So I was really shocked when I I saw that he had passed away. This was his final film. Yeah, this would have probably ended up, well, it could have went the Rocky route, too, which I heard the Rocky sequels aren't bad, but it would just been, like, just global and kind of just up the ante like he would have just been he would have ended up fighting like one of the 80 stars he would end up fighting because he fought chris uh chris norris at some point right chuck norris not chris uh yeah yeah he would have ended up fighting schwarzenegger at some point he would have been in the expendable movies we have right now well i think yeah if it was released in the 80s but if they had done like a sequels in the 70s i think it wouldn't have been like that. oh yeah but once you got into the 80s that's what it would have been like the 70s you would have one where he goes Mm -hmm. to the city no Maybe he says jive turkey or something like that, you know, because they always got to give him like that, that one, they always have to have the character of the fish out of the water, have that one phrase that he tries to say and everybody's like, the record scratches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I was thinking more of like a, like a dollars trilogy type thing. Oh, okay. You were, I was thinking direct trilogies. I, it was in my head because I know, oh, we forgot to mention Criterion Collection. There's a box set of bruce lee films i don't know if this one is in it or oh, not really yeah but that's mm-hmm. why i was i was thinking that it was the enter the dragon box set so i was like oh watch all these movies well like i said like so his previous film is way of the dragon so i feel like it's pretty easy to make that connection 
But everybody, I don't know. Dragons were a big thing. I'm just putting dragon on everything. Does this film hold up for you? Uh, not really, but I wouldn't say that I don't appreciate it. I think that... I think Bruce Lee as an icon holds up. Uh, and I think that what he put into this and what he was able to choreograph holds up. But I think that I would... I, I kind of wish that I could have seen him with more advanced filmmaking techniques. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, if you're comparing it to modern, there's some things you can you can do better. I think there are things that date this movie, but I think for the most part, it holds up. But it is dated. It is. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't also, I wouldn't also, say... Also, its treatment of women is, it, it frowns upon how it treats women, but at the same time, it's just like it's never resolved. Yeah, <sighs> Yeah, that dates it a bit. That that also dates it a bit. Hey, there's no real good women symbols in here. I guess the the secret operative is the one good one. Mm-hmm. They like they never gave her a scene where she has to seduce somebody and get naked. So I guess it was progressive in a way. Like it's one of those could be worse. I guess does that's not what they did for the rest of the women though. Yeah, <laughs> it's like here I gift you a woman. <laughs> so apparently. Those were actual prostitutes. They mm-hmm. they had trouble finding. We just talked about, you know, having somebody with the skill becoming an actor, having an actor gain the skill. Uh, they were having trouble finding uh, Chinese actress actresses to play these women, to play prostitutes. So they went out and hired real prostitutes. Gotcha. So, like, I think the film does frown upon like just how the villain is gifting these women like it doesn't make a point where like it's not meaning to be problematic i just personally wish that like i wouldn't say it's problematic i just wish that there was some kind of conclusion to that like it doesn't go anywhere i mean if you can yeah yeah it doesn't go anywhere and i don't think they really go like a lot of his plot (laughs) yeah i i think it's just to me, it's just there. They don't linger on it too much. They don't say too much about it. So I think that's why I was okay with not having a conclusion to it. It was just, okay. I mean, this. W- I feel like if you go out to an island and you got some uh, totalitarian up there, I feel like, you know, gifting prostitutes would be a thing. Like, even now. So I don't even know if I could say dated. If it's like it's something that I could see happening. I don't know. Just like within in context, it didn't bother me so much. But if you look at it as far as like, I mean, Lee is kind of seen more as the, you know, the righteous one. He doesn't participate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one who participates yeah. the most. Now he's, which that's kind of, I think, maybe a little bit of a stereotype, especially when you think about black exploitation yeah. films. And they were kind of doing that as well. You know, having all those those women there, especially women uh, not of color, I guess she they are. I forget. Are they considered of color? They are, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So. Yeah, or non-black women. Yeah, like I, I, yeah, I feel like that part definitely was a little bit more stereotypical and problematic than than just in general. But yeah, because you you weren't yeah, there for so our I, Shaft review. Dion and I were talking about that because that was kind of a problem we had with Shaft, or at least I had a problem. I forget Dion's response, but it felt like it was just kind of pushed into the movie and it took away from his character a bit. But uh, Williams ends up dying, so I guess you know, like hey. Sleep with all these prostitutes and end up getting beat mm-hmm. by a man with one hand, a metal hand. Yeah, so I mean, so that's like part of the thing is that like it, it we have this diverse representation, but I don't necessarily feel like the representation necessarily holds up. Yeah, no, I don't even think it. Well, it's not even representation. 
I, I also thought about it as like just kind of a fighting contest tournament wise. If it was, I was wondering if he did that purposefully because it is, uh, you know, some fighters out there, what they won't do for like weeks before a fight or something is that they won't have sex. So it builds up testosterone. You have sex, you I lose, heard that. yeah, you lose testosterone. So I was wondering at first if he gifted them these prostitutes to make sure that they lose their testosterone. And maybe that's why I lost the fight because he didn't have any testosterone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, if that was brought up into the movie, I think, I don't know if that would work for you more as a conclusion, but I think that would have worked more for me. I'm like, okay, there was a reason for all this. You know, he's even more of a madman than we thought or, yeah. But but other than that, like I said, the sound effects don't really hold up for me at all. Like I said, I just kind of wish I could see Bruce Lee in with modern filmmaking. Oh, hmm. yeah. No, he was, he would have still been great at 50. I'm trying to think of like modern martial arts films when it really started, you know, where we're at right now, mm-hmm. probably about like 10 years ago, 10 or 15 years ago. So, yeah, he would have still been able to, yeah, he'd been killing it at, um, at 50. Mm-hmm. So do you think it holds up? Yeah, yeah, like like I said, it's uh it is dated a bit with the fight scenes. It it is dated it's really dated with the sound effects, but I think for the most part it holds up. You know, I, I think it I think the fight scenes hold up the most films in the seventies and I think, you know, I don't think this is overshadowed by the martial arts films we have nowadays. I know I said before with one movie that it's just like, Hey, you can you can watch so many other films that are better than this before you get to this film. And I think this film can easily be plugged into a martial arts marathon. What do you get this as your overall rating? I think I'm going to give this a solid C for me. Um, I appreciate this film for what it is. Um, I appreciate Bruce Lee and what he was able to put into this and with the choreography and what it it was able to do with the filmmaking techniques of that time. I appreciate. But for me, I think a big issue is just the plot. It's just that while I appreciated that it was a spy thriller and it tried to kind of do a kind of different genre, I kind of like the tournament plot. But ultimately, the plot just didn't really go anywhere. I feel like, like you said, it just kind of ended. There wasn't really much just going on there as far as concluding or following through on a lot of the plots that were brought up. So that was disappointing. But like I said, I really liked the brawl fight. I really liked the, a couple other scenes, like the chase scene with the sister. So there are things that I do like in this film, uh, but it's going to be a C for me. Yeah, I, I honestly, I agree a lot with what you're saying. I still give this movie a B minus. I think just a lot of things bring it up, like the the fighting and yeah, the story's basic. It's not that developed, kind of rinse and repeats a little bit. And yeah, mm-hmm. the... T- there are, there are, again, there are things that date this movie. So I'll, I'll bring it down to a, a B minus. Also, you really don't get too much with the characters, except for, I mean, yeah, you really don't get much from Lee. You don't. Roper and uh, Williams are really what gives you the character in this movie. But even though I give mm-hmm. this a B minus, I had a solid A time. Okay. It's, it's one of those movies. Like, yeah, you know, is it the best? You know, a little lower in the scale, but my enjoyment had an a time this this is gonna be something i'll rewatch or play for somebody i forgot to mention too there's like a shot in the film of when he's like going by boat to talk to this like elder i guess who he is like a teacher of his and there's like a shot of a man rowing the boat like an elderly man rowing the boat and i think they use that same shot twice 
the uh, same exact shot twice in the film. The good old double shot, or the double shot where they mirror it. <laughs> oh yeah, those are the good ones. So, yeah, the filmmaking needs needed a little bit of work. <laughs> it needed just to be more. I mean, so I mean, there are films from the seventies though, but I feel like do have better filmmaking so i can't fully blame the time that it was in but maybe the time that it was in for a film of that caliber with that much movement in a kung fu movie and also you gotta consider the budget it was a low budget movie and they Mm. ended up requesting more money because that mirror scene took that mirror scene cost eight thousand dollars back then Mm -hmm. go ahead and shoot so they yeah they were struggling with the with the budget a bit and they also had some production tension holding things up gotcha well, that concludes this assignment. What is our next assignment, Caitlin? And hopefully it's not us going to island and overthrowing a crime lord and his... Oh, you know more about this than I do. <laughs> do I? Yeah, I do a bit. So, unfortunately, a very well-known actor had died, uh, Paul Rubens. It was uh, last week. We already had this movie scheduled, but in memoriam, uh, there is a movie that neither of us has seen. And it is on our list. It's been on my list for a while, and that's Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, surprisingly, we didn't see this while we were kids. I'm not even sure if this is a kid's movie. I think I heard it really isn't. But, yeah, uh, in memory of him, we're going to be going ahead and doing Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which neither of us have seen. Nope, I have not seen it. But while we, while you guys go ahead and wait for that, you know, wait for our next assignment, if you're not too busy checking out our other episodes that you may have missed, we have a good amount of episodes nowadays you can find us on our social media which caitlin where is that is it on a secret island do they have to <laughs> do they have to win a fighting contest no luckily they do not you can find us on twitter and instagram at op silver screen on facebook we're at operation silver screen but twitter and instagram that's op silver screen like i said i'm going to be posting uh the video that kind of linked uh the show the get down and hip-hop and b-boy culture with uh, kung fu and asian influence so uh, there's an interesting video that i'll post on probably our uh, twitter and our facebook is probably where that will go if you want to connect to us in another way you can also follow us on our personal letterbox accounts uh, sometimes we watch films that we don't get a chance to talk about on here so we can kind of talk more about it over there on our letterboxes give it reviews give it uh, our star ratings there you can find brian at swank seal that's capital s capital s and for me you can find me at coffee spoon kate that's coffee spoon c-a-i-t yes and unfortunately i haven't been doing the thursday night movies uh started working still in school so yeah it's just there's just been too much like i just haven't had the time at all but after next week this week that we're currently that you're currently listening i'll be picking it back up because i'll be Done with school for just a little bit, going on break. And yeah, so you know, want to go ahead, check out what I'm watching again. Judge me for how many movies I watched in July for the first time, because that was sad. <laughs> Only like six. But I've seen like four in the last, or this month I've already seen two. And Caitlin, before we go, can we get your uh, your Bruce Lee? What's up? No. Come on, Caitlin, <laughs> come on, just one. No. Just one. Negative. <laughs> it's not happening. One day. Till next time, we'll be in HQ. I'm Bryant. And I'm Caitlin. See you.